I want to turn to the book of Joshua this morning. I'm getting a later start than normal, but I'm going to get right into the Word of God. And uh, the theme for this year is now we take possession. And, and my subject this morning is strategies for possessing your mountain. Joshua 14, as yet, Caleb says, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, that, you could just read that and, and not even realize the significance of that verse. This guy's 85 years old when he makes this statement. I'm as strong now as I was then. The then in that first verse was 45 years before. He was only 40. And then he says to Joshua, now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke. I want you to say those words. Of which the Lord, say it, of which the Lord spoke. He had a word from God that's significant. Of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, that's the, the giants, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Today is the third part in a new series that I've recently begun entitled Strategies for Possessing Your Mountain. The first Sunday of this series, I spoke from the subject, How to Take Your Mountain, and then the second Sunday, When God Gives You a Mountain, and last Sunday, we had Sam Rodriguez, and didn't he do an amazing job last Sunday? My God. How many of you want him to come back real soon? Uh, we're bringing both he and Tony Suarez back. Tony Suarez is his protege. Those two men, my God, they lit up the house in their respective times of service here Tony was with us in May. But when we talk about possessing our mountains, I mean possessing our dreams, your destiny, the objectives for which God created you. God had given Caleb a word. 45 years he had held on to that word. 45 years. Through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness in adverse circumstances. And then five years in war in conquering the land of promise. He had held on to one word. And now he has come to Joshua to tell him, I want that word God spoke to me to come to pass. When you have a word from God, I want to tell you something. You never let the enemy talk you out of it. Whether it's through 40 years of wandering or in the middle of battles for five years, you hold on to the word God gives you. I'm talking to somebody in this room, God has given you a word, and you don't ever let that word be snatched away from you. Now, after 45 years of dreaming to possess this mountain, which is Mount Hebron, where the Anakim, the giants, live, Caleb is asking that he be given the mountain as his inheritance. All of us have dreams, don't we? Those are the things that you know should be yours. Whether that's a fulfilled marriage, a kingdom business, whether it's to see your children saved and doing well, prospering, grown, raising their family in the faith, a fulfilling marriage, whether it's a ministry that you feel called of God to develop, or whether it's for your personal healing, there is something that you're holding on to, that you are believing God for. If you don't have a dream, you don't have much of a future. People talk about, I've got 40 years experience. Some people don't have 40 years experience. They've got one year 
of experience 40 times over because they just keep living the same thing over and over again, never have a dream they're moving toward, never a vision. And sometimes when people hear a message like I'm about to preach this morning, they think that it's all about materialism. And I want to say right up front that God is interested in every aspect of your life and you prospering in every component of your existence. The Bible says that the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his, his servants. God gets delighted when you're blessed because you become a better, as it were, living testimony and representative of his grace when you're blessed. So God likes to bless his people and that is in every area of your life. However, no matter how blessed you may become, materially, financially, spiritually, your family, always keep your priorities right. Can I hear an amen? When your priorities get wrong in life, that isn't a good thing. You can neglect your family, have a great relationship with God. That's not what God wants. He wants your family to be blessed as well. You can have great finances and not have a relationship with God, or you can have a relationship with God. You have to keep your priorities right, and I want you to understand that as long as you make the things that matter important to you and keep your perspectives correct, you're gonna be happy. When they get out of balance, that's when you're not happy. Now, I'm from Louisiana, like Elizabeth is here, and so I'm, I'm a Cajun, and most of you know that, but some of you might be our guest here today and not know that. And just before I, I tell you what I'm gonna say, at the end of the service, I always invite our first-time attendees. If you're here visiting with us, first-time attending, please, at the end of the service, don't just leave. We'd love for you to go out the, in any of these doors, take a hard left and go down that hall right to where I'm pointing. And we will meet our first-time attendees. I love to take the time to get to meet our guests. And we want you to please come and be with us. And I want to get to know you better. But one of the things you'll find out about me is I, I was born, raised in Louisiana, marsh mud between my toes. My granddad was Clarence Potan Falk. <laughs> That's as Cajun as you can get. I know gumbo boudin. I know sauce pecan and etouffee. And, oh, my goodness. I, I was raised in Louisiana, where our, one of our favorite forms of entertainment is to tell Boudreaux and Thibodeau jokes. So when I tell them, I'm talking, I've got relatives named Boudreaux, so this is my culture here. Boudreaux had become very successful. He parked his brand new Lexus in front of the office to show it off to his colleagues. As he got out, a truck came along too close to the curb and completely tore off the driver's door. Fortunately, a policeman was there, saw it, and pulled up behind the Lexus with his lights flashing. But before the policeman could even have a chance to ask any questions, Boudreaux started screaming hysterically about how his Lexus, which he had just picked up that morning, was now completely ruined and would never be the same again, no matter how hard the body shop tried to repair it and make it new. And after Boudreaux finally wound down from his rant, the policeman shook his head in disbelief and said, Sir, you're being way too materialistic. You're so focused on your possessions that you're neglecting the most important things in life. And Boudreaux screamed, How can you say such a thing? And the policeman replied, Sir, you don't even realize that your left arm is missing. It got ripped off when the truck hit the door. It tore your arm off too. Oh no, Boudreaux screamed, My Rolex! 
wrong perspective. When I talk about taking your mountain, I'm talking about the things that you were created to take and enjoy. God has to be, in your relationship with God, has to be foremost among those. I want to speak this morning from this subject, making the mountain yours. Making it yours. Owning your mountain. Making it yours. Father, I ask that you would speak a word to us right now. Open heaven to our understanding and our hearts and the divine principles of your holy book. Let them be laid open at our feet that we might grasp them and align our lives with them. Lord, as the Ethiopian eunuch said that day to Philip in the desert, how can we understand unless somebody shows us, show us today the principles of your word and direct our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. Mountains are not easy to conquer. As we've already discussed, mountains also represent not just your dreams, but they represent the challenges and obstacles that you're going to encounter that stand in the way between you and your destiny. You see, there were giants that lived on that mountain. They didn't just come visit once in a while. They lived there. And giants live on your mountain too. That's why people can dream of conquering mountains for years and not conquer them. Mountaineers had dreamed of climbing Mount Everest since at least as far back as 1885 when the West first became aware of this mountain in the Himalayan mountain range that seemed to reach all the way up to the heavens. At 29,000 29 feet, Mount Everest is the tallest mountain in the world. Numerous expeditions attempted to reach the mountain summit. I don't know if you know anything about mountain climbing, but it is a grueling and Herculean task. Today, Mount Everest is literally littered with the bodies of those who tried to climb it and failed. There are over 300 people that have died on Mount Everest attempting to climb it, swept away in avalanches blown off the mountain in hurricane force winds, frozen to death, died of oxygen deprivation. They don't carry those bodies down usually. Most of them, they leave them there. If you have never read some of the harrowing accounts of these climbers, it, it's something to, to talk to them about or hear them discuss. I have a friend in Kenya of all places, an Asian Indian gentleman, businessman there, whose hobby is climbing mountains. And he climbed K2. K2 is one of the most formidable mountains in the Himalayan mountain range. He was literally swept off the mountain in an avalanche and into a crevasse. Had to climb out of the crevasse. His fingers and toes frostbitten, his leg broken, had to hobble down the mountain for two days before he was able to get to where he could get help. His story made the hair on the nap of my neck stand up. Regarding Everest, it wasn't until 1953 that Edmund Hillary and the Sherpa Tenzing Norgay succeeded and became the first to ever reach its summit. Conquering your mountain, I can promise you, will not be an easy task. It will be Herculean. And it will require that you obtain new information and skills and, and strengths and, and you will have to develop abilities that you might not even possess right now. Because of Caleb's faithfulness, God not only promised Caleb the mountain, he also promised him every place he would put his foot that, it had, that he had trodden in his journey as one of the 12 spies into the promised land. It is important to note this, that though God gives you the promise that you're going to take every place your feet have trodden 
and you're going to possess your mountain. And though you get a word from God, I want you to hear this. You still have to go get it. I don't think you're hearing what I'm saying. You still have to go get it. One of the biggest mistakes that believers make is thinking they can sit and wait. And if they wait long enough that their promise is going to show up and ring their doorbell. And someday it will come find them. As some of our business people around here are fond of saying, that's not true. You will get it when you go get it. That's what life is about. you got to go get it. What your hand finds to do, you've got to do it with your might. And that's true of education. I've never heard of a university sending people to knock on folks' doors and say, here, would you like a doctoral degree? I've never heard of anybody just showing up unless there's been something done on the rare occasions when somebody, you ever fill out one of these forms for Reader's Digest sweepstakes? You get more junk emails than you ever want to get the rest of your life. I don't know. They got three people, I think, that have won those things over the last 50 years. It can't be very many because I never hear anybody winning one. All they do is send you all these advertisements. If you're waiting for somebody to show up at your door with a check for $50 million, honey, I got news for you. You're going to be waiting a long time. Your mountain's not coming looking for you. You got to go find your mountain. Can somebody in the house say amen? I want to look this morning for the next few minutes at strategic steps that you must take in order to conquer your mountain. Number one, identify your mountain. Say it with me. Identify your mountain. Caleb already had his mountain picked out. He said, Joshua, I want that one right there. That's mine. That's the one God promised me. Joshua 14 and 12, he said, now therefore, give me this mountain. I want you to say that, this mountain. Would you do it? It wasn't everybody. Say it again. This. You got to have a mountain and you got to know which one you're looking at. It's not that one over there and it's not that one. It's this one right here. He knew which mountain was supposed to be his. What is your mountain? Is your mountain a godly family or a thriving and successful business? Is it a an impacting and life-changing ministry, you better know what your mountain is or you're not going to have much sense of fulfillment in life. It could be a fulfilled and satisfying marriage or children that grow up and, and do well. You've got to have a mountain that you know is yours. And maybe the mountain that God has promised you is enough finances that you don't have to live for the rest of your life hand to mouth with more month than there is money But you've got to clarify what your mountain is. And that might seem obvious. But it is astonishing how many people overlook this one little principle. Two blind men stopped Jesus as he was leaving Jericho. And they cried out, Jesus have mercy on us. And in Matthew 20 and 32, Jesus stood still and called them. And then he asked this remarkable question. He asked What do you want me to do for you? And it's like you want to say, really? What I want you to do for me? I mean, isn't it obvious I'm I'm blind? You see, Jesus knew what it was 
that they needed, but that wasn't the point. He was calling attention to the fact that until you identify your mountain, God cannot do anything for you. You've got to know what your mountain is. He doesn't answer general prayers. He answers targeted, specific prayers. When I came to Houston as a young man a little over 31 years ago, my mountain was to build this church. And at the same time, to raise up spiritual sons and daughters around the world, it looked impossible to me at that time. But God made a way for both to happen. He not only began to bless us here, and we began to grow, but while he was blessing us here, at the same time, I was asked to do a meeting in India. And I went and traveled to India with a doctor from this church, Dr. Jay Watson. And we traveled together. Uh, We went and we taught 10,000 Christian leaders in India and pastors. And, And while we were on the plane trying to get to where we were going in India, as we sat together, a man came and sat in the seat beside us. We were the only two Anglos on that plane. Everybody else was Asian Indian. This guy sits beside us. Now remember that there's one and a half billion people in India. And he looked at us and he said, hey guys, what are y'all doing here? I mean, it's pretty obvious we stand out. And so we told him why we were there and he smiled and he told us his name. It was the Asian Billy Graham. He actually has preached to more people than Billy Graham did in his lifetime. And he, I, he said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Houston. He said, I live in Houston. And he invited us to go with him. Now we're in India on an airplane. He invites us to go with him to Tanzania where he's preaching a conference. We had close to a million people there. And whenever we got done with the conference, I ministered in the conference. He, the, the pastors came and they said to me, could you come and start a Bible college to train our pastors and our Christian leaders? And that's how this church has planted seven Bible schools in the country of Tanzania. We have graduated 3,250 students. Divine connections. When you know what your mountain is, God will make a way for you. Number two, stop avoiding your mountain. Stop delaying. I'm talking to somebody right now. Do what you know you should do. Time is slipping away. You need to ask yourself why you're hesitating because you probably heard Tracy and and you heard Mimi earlier talk about fear when you go through circumstances like Tracy, stage four cancer. Stage four cancer. Do you realize what that must feel like? And the doctor said, you've got to have chemotherapy. She took one and she was so sick. Now, I always advise people, do what the doctor said. (laughs) Go through with it. But she got a word from God. And she's told James, her husband, there are our worship pastors. She said, I'm not taking another one. She told me, I'm not taking another one. I told Tracy, are you sure? You you really need to go ahead and follow the protocols. She said, no, I'm trusting God. If God doesn't heal me, I'm not going through this again. Do you know God healed that girl of stage four cancer without another chemotherapy treatment? I'm talking about a God that knows how to heal and answer prayer. Somebody ought to give God some praise right now. Come on, let's take a praise break. Let's give God some worship in this house. Let's give God some praise. 
What are you afraid of? Fear of embarrassment, fear of failure, fear you won't succeed. Fear is what you experience when you let your circumstances come between you and God. Faith is what you experience when you let God come between you and your circumstances. Put God in the middle. Get rid of the fear. Turn to somebody and say, fear, go home. Would you do that right now? Don't hesitate any longer. On the plains of hesitation lie the blackened bones of countless millions who at the dawn of victory lay down to rest and in resting died. Adelaide Stevenson. Number three, be whole. Be all in. Say that with me. Be all in. Would you do that? Holy, follow the Lord. Make up your mind. Don't vacillate. If you're going to take your mountain, be all in, all in, all in. Do you hear what I'm talking about? All in. 99.5% is not enough. Be all in. Holy, follow God. Listen to this, Joshua 14 and 9. Surely the land where your foot has trodden you Joshua's telling Caleb, shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. When you wholly follow God, there is a reward. God will make your dreams come true. You see, I learned something years ago that I shall never forget. I was walking through a situation. You don't even know what it was about. And I'm not here to give the devil any credit, so I'm not even going to tell you what it was about. All I know is I felt God whisper to me years ago when I was confronted with this challenge that was bigger than I could possibly handle. God told me, if you would just go, it's impossible for you to fail. You will be a success even if nothing happens because you obeyed me and went when I said go. If you go when God says go, even if nothing happens, you're still a success. Because success is determined by your obedience, not by your achievements. You need to hear what I'm talking about. Success is determined by your obedience, not your achievements. Number four, determine who the giants are that stand between you and your mountain. Caleb knew who they were. He said, they're the sons of Anak. You need to identify the obstacles that stand between you and what you were meant to to achieve and accomplish, what is opposing you? You'd be amazed whenever you begin to ask yourself that question, what the answers might be. Because sometimes it's the people closest to you. If you wanna change your character, you have gotta change your context. You know what context is? Environment. You're never gonna change your character if you stay in the same environment. And if you're gonna change your environment, you gotta change your companions. Because if you keep the same companions, they'll draw you right back into the same context and you'll never change your character. Hello, somebody. I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. Can I get an inspired church response here this morning? People telling you, you can't, you can't, you can't. You can't listen to them. Amen. Sometimes the giants you've got to face aren't the ones you think they are either. They can be giants of self of ego, of pride, giants of impatience. Oh, <laughs> I'm not even gonna go there. <laughs> impatience, you've never seen anybody impatient on the freeway on Monday morning, have you? <laughs> you've never been impatient yourself. Amen, you know what I'm talking about? Show the other person your IQ with one finger. 
Identify what your mountain is. Number five, not only determine who the giants are that stand between you and your mountain, identify the strengths and the resources that you will need to conquer your mountain. In Luke 14, 28 to 31, Jesus says, which of you is going to build a tower that doesn't first sit down and count the cost? Or which one's going to go to war that first doesn't sit down and say, can I with so many men conquer this army that has this many men? What is he saying? He's saying that you had better identify your strengths and your resources. Too many times we look at what we don't have. Look at what you do have. Moses, what do you have? What is that in your hand? Little lady, how much oil do you have in your house? How many fishes and loaves do you have? What, do, what are your strengths and resources? Because dedicated to God, limited strengths and resources can become powerful. You might need to go back to school and finish your degree. You might need to change your mind and about some of the thoughts that you've allowed to, to affect your thinking to become who you're supposed to be. You might need to build a stronger team because you see a real God-given destiny cannot be achieved by one person. It's got to be a team effort. You might need to build a prayer ministry around you. Because if you really get into the business of rolling up your shirt sleeves and tackling mountains where giants live, you know what? You need somebody to cover your back too. You've got to have some people praying for you. Hear what I'm talking about. I've got a prayer team in this church that prays for me 24-7. I wouldn't want to try to do what I'm doing without somebody encircling me in prayer. Look at somebody and say, you need somebody to have your back. Would you do that? Yes, you do. You need somebody to build a prayer team. What are your resources? Whether it's business, education, ministry, or anything else you do in life. I want to tell you what you need. There are three things. I'm going to teach you a quick lesson. Ways, means, measures. You have to have those three, three things to succeed at anything in life. Everybody say it. Ways, means, measures. What does ways mean? It means what you're going to accomplish. What, is your, what route are you taking? What, what, what's your destination? Where are you going? Means are the resources that you're going to need, whether it's buildings, whether it's volunteers, whether it's people, whether it's money, whether it's rooms, whether it's time. That's means. Measures? How are you going to measure the first two? How are you going to know if you're getting it done? I'll give you an example. If your mountain and success to you is to have a godly family and develop a personal relationship with God, ask yourself, how am I going to do that? How am I going to be a priest to my home? Amen. Ways would be, I'll give you some ways. Having daily family devotions together with your family. Praying. Worship. Prayer, Bible reading, listening to the Word of God as you drive to work. Download a Bible app and listen to God's Word while you're in the car. Amen. Means would be allocating the time each morning to get up 15 minutes early and pray or however long you need, earlier even. Ways is where you're going. I want a relationship with God. How am I going to get there? I can tell you how you're not going to get there. Skipping church every Sunday. And a holy hush descended in the house of God. Amen. Means would be a good daily Bible devotional. You ought to download Rick Warren's 
daily devotional and purpose-driven life from the internet. Or go to the Bible bookstore and there are countless others that are available where you have their little devotional for the day already mapped out. If you don't know how to give one to your family, this will show you how. And go through the whole thing, 365 days a year. We're on vacation. The devil's not. Hello, somebody. Amen. Measures would be If you're going to get the Word of God in your heart and develop a relationship with God, how many chapters did you read this week? How many did you read today? How much time did you spend in prayer? Did you do your family devotional? Did you go to church Sunday? Did you attend the Wednesday night Bible study? Did the kids go to youth service? Measure what you're doing. you got to do that, whether it's a relationship with God, your family, whether it's building a business. If you don't do those three things and you're a business owner, your business will not succeed. I promise you it won't. I'm just about done. Number six, develop strategic strategies that are specific and are tailor-made to deal with the giants that are standing between you and your mountain. What I mean specific and tailor-made. If the giant you face is poverty, you're going to have to ask yourself, what do I need to know to defeat this giant? Because living the way you came up with a poverty mentality, and how many of you know many of us have a poverty mentality? I'm preaching better than you're responding. I grew up with a poverty mentality. I did. Many of you did as well. And you're not going to change that unless you change the way you think. And so you know what many of us do? We go down to the store and we buy, 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 shop, shop, shop. And we don't save, save, save. And we wonder why we're broke, broke, broke. Defeating the spirit of poverty will require you to stop spending everything you make. Don't raise your hand. How many of you live 10% above your means every month? There you go. Amen. Deuteronomy 8.18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. You see that word power in the middle of that verse? He who, it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Look it up in Strong's Concordance. You know one of its meanings is wealth? He gives you the wealth to get wealth. Ooh. Now for you to raise an apple tree, you need an apple seed. For you to raise tomatoes, you need tomato seeds. For you to raise corn, you need corn seed. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? What God does is he will give you the seed for you to get wealth. He will give you a little bit of what you're supposed to grow into something big. But if you spend everything and you spend your seed, there won't be a harvest. Oh, my God. You see, this is one of the most important things you will ever learn. That is that many believers, and many believers have not learned this. Tithing is one of the greatest strategies for defeating the spirit of poverty that exists. Tithing is not about you funding the church. It's about God funding you. Give God some praise right now. Ah, That church wants my money. I have no doubt that there are people that have, mis- that have abused this. Ministers 
with their jets and all of that and everything else, which they get ridiculous. And I want you to know I'm opposed to that. I won't have anybody here that has that attitude. But I'm going to tell you that the principle of tithing is not about you funding the church. It's about God having a legitimate means to be able to fund you. Give you an example. Man was in the airport waiting for his flight, and I'm, I'm, I'm really done. He was a little hungry, so he bought a cup of coffee and a little bag of donuts. And at the end, all, at the, all of the tables, rather, were, were, were full but one. And there was a man sitting at one end of the table that was open. And like you've done, like I've done, like everybody has done, when there's no other seating, you go over. If there's not a table available and there's only one guy at a table, you sit opposite him, right? And so he sat down, pulled out his new newspaper, took the lid off his coffee, started sipping it, and pulled a little pack of donuts close and got one and started eating it. And suddenly the man across the table reached over and took one of the donuts and smiled and started eating it. The man who had bought the donuts was shocked. Just how rude can somebody be? He couldn't believe it. He would have said something, but clearly the guy was not all there. Take my donuts. Pretty obvious he's a few french fries short of a happy meal. I'm not going to be able to talk to this guy. So he pulled the donuts in close. Glared at the man. Turned his chair at an angle away from the man to communicate with his negative body language. Don't you invade my space again. Leave my donuts alone. He was mortified when the man actually stood up, leaned across the table, and took another donut. <laughs> Smiled and started eating it. And the man who bought the donuts was furious. His face, his neck flamed red. He didn't say anything. Just then the other guy got up, took his carry-on bag, walked off to go to the gate, and the man who bought the donuts said to himself, thank God, <laughs> now I can finish my donuts in peace. And finally it was time for this man to go board his plane. So he got up, folded his paper, paper picked up his coat, reached for his briefcase, and there on top of his briefcase was his unopened package of donuts that he had bought. He had been eating the other man's donuts the whole time. Turns out he was the jerk and not the other guy. That's just like us. God asked us for just one of the ten donuts that he bought with the blood of his son to bless our lives. And we get mad and say, mine. Man, turns out we're the jerk and not God. Then we wonder why we struggle and can't seem to have a breakthrough. Tithing is not about you funding God's church. It's about God funding you. Listen to Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple if, everybody say if, if you do says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. 
I want somebody to put their hand on their chest and say, God's going to open, point your other hand up and say, God's going to open the windows of heaven for me. Would you do that? That's a divine promise, just like the one he gave Caleb about the mountain. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. The word you is used there three times directly and implied three others. Six times in one verse, God gives us a direct message. In fact, the message translation says this, test me in, in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. I need somebody to say beyond my wildest dreams. That's a promise of God. That's not just, that's not just rhetoric. That's in your Bible. That's God's word. Prayer and fasting are strategies. I'm going to talk more about that starting immediately that will help you defeat the giant that stands in your way. And finally, Jesus gives us one more strategy for making the mountain yours. In Mark 11 and 23, Jesus said, Most for assuredly, I say to you, whoever, whoa, I need somebody to raise a hand and say, I'm a whoever. Would you do that? You're whoever from Whoville? You're who from Whoville? Whoever, listen to this, says to this mountain, what? says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. So point number seven, and I close with this, is speak to your mountain. Somebody needs to shout that I'm gonna speak to my mountain. Poverty, you're being... You're being cast out of my life. I will not live the rest of my life poor. You need to speak to your marriage. God's going to heal my home. God's going to heal my kids. They're going to turn to God. God's going to heal the broken places in my life. Why do you speak this? Psalms 103 verse 20 says this. Bless the Lord, you his angels, you who might, you mighty ones, who do his commandments, obeying the voice of his word. Don't you see that? Obeying the voice of his word. Didn't say obeying him. Said obeying the voice of his word. Didn't say obeying his word when he speaks it. It said obeying the voice of his word. Didn't say obeying angels when they speak it. No. What happens is angels obey the voice of his word. It doesn't qualify who says it. When you say the word of God, heaven reacts to you speaking the word of God over your situation. Some of you have heard of Phil Driscoll. He was voted the best trumpeter in the world. Best musician of the year. He's played for four different presidents in the White House. Phil told me personally that his son also plays the trumpet. And he said, Pastor, you know, one day I was downstairs in his home. He lives in Tennessee. And he said his son was upstairs in his room. And Phil could hear his son playing on the stereo one of the CDs that Phil had recorded. And after a while, the bedroom door opened. And his son shouted, Hey, Dad! How did that sound? 
And Phil told me, he said, when my son asked me, he said, I was shocked. And he said, I asked him, what do you mean, how did it sound? I mean, what am I supposed to say? You're playing one of my recordings, and I'm supposed to brag on myself? And Phil's son said, no, Dad, that wasn't you. I was playing a backing track, but that was me playing the trumpets. It sounded so much like his daddy that his daddy could not tell the difference in the sound the son was making from the sound of the father. I'm talking to somebody, you need to release your God sound. You need to release your God sound. You need to speak your, the word of God over your situation. Somebody give God some praise in this house right now. Woo! This is the way we're going to close. I'm asking that our ushers would please distribute cards right now to those who have not filled them out. Let's do that very, very quickly, ushers. And if you'll go right now. These are cards that we filled out at the old location on Wallaceville before we moved here. But some of you haven't had a chance to fill one out yet because so many of you have come to be a part of our church family just within the last couple of months. And on one side, you will find that there's a place for things that you can give God praise for that he's already done. We've had some miracles happen in our lives. We had some miracles happen at the old location, but God's not done yet. I said, God's not done yet. No, he's not. No, he's not. We didn't leave God at Wallaceville. God got here before we did. I never will forget Kundai's back there in the sound booth right now. You remember that Kundai right over there in the, in the chapel? And I walked in one day and they were testing the sound equipment there and they were play, playing glory to glory. I felt the presence of God fill that room. Tears sprang to my eyes because I sensed that God was already here before we even got moved in. They were testing the sound equipment and God had already shown up. Hallelujah. So on one side of this, this form, you will see a place for you to put a testimony of what God has done. Something you're thankful for. But all of those of you that have come to be a part of Inspire Since Then that have not had a chance to fill this out on the reverse side, you'll see a place for you to write your dream. What is your dream? What is your dream? What is your mountain? What is it that God has given you a word for that you're praying about and fasting for? I want you to write that out right now. Just take a moment. Let's do this together. Prayer counselors, if you will come take your places with me. This box right here with this slot in it. You see, you don't know it, but it contains all those cards we filled out over at Wallaceville. Every one of the dreams that we printed out are in this container right here. Every one of the mountains that we identified that we want God to help us conquer, they're right here. Would you stand with me across the building? And if you filled out a card, this is what I want you to do. I want you to first be the first to come and lay your cards right here on the altar area. Would you do that? 
Um, many of you have already filled them out. Probably most of you have, but some of you have not. Come lay those cards right there because we're going to pray over them. That's how we're going to close this service. We're going to pray over mountains this morning. Your mountain is your family. God's getting ready to do something. Don't be afraid. Come on. Just lay them right here. Miracles are going to happen. We already had miracles, as you heard earlier, take place in the first service. I apologize that we've gone a little bit over, but the worship was just so extended and and personal that we're a little bit behind our schedule right now, as you can see. of the victories that are going to be won. You know what's going to happen? In just a little while, some of these dreams, you're going to be able to put them on the other side of that card as testimonies. Victories won. Battles fought. You know what's on this platform right now? Marriages that are healed. Kids that are being saved. Careers that are being birthed. Education that's being finished. Miracles of healing. It's going to happen. Financial breakthroughs. Now this is what I'd like for you to do. Most of you have finished filling out the cards. Some of you are still doing so. But everybody stand with me across the building if you're not standing. And our culture here is to do this. We ask everybody to come forward. And we close the service here in prayer. Would you come join me right now? And we're going to pray together. Once again, I want to remind you that if you're a first-time attendee, please join me in just a few minutes in the conference room to the left. I'll only take three to five minutes of your time. It won't be long. Come, let's pray. Move in close. We're going to pray together. set free from an addiction in this service this morning. I feel the power of God working in this place. You're going to trace your deliverance back to this service at Inspire Church on the 7th of July. With every head bowed right now, before we even go any further, though, I want to ask, is there someone here that needs God in their life? in their heart. If you do slip up your hand, I want to pray for you. I need God, Pastor. I need God. God bless your hands are being raised. God bless this precious family. God bless you. God bless you. 
God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Keep raising hands all the way back down the aisle. We see you there. God bless you, sir. Hands raised. Yes, I see your hand. Others, I need God in my life. Yes, God. God's going to hear your prayer. God bless you and you. God bless you in the back. God bless you. Father, I pray right now for every precious one of these dear souls that have come today. They've been drawn by the power of your spirit. I want you to save them, Lord. Wash them in the blood of Jesus. Cleanse them of every sin and write their name in the book of life. God, let this be the beginning of an incredible experience and journey toward an encounter with God. Don't let them stop until they've been baptized, feel full of the Holy Spirit, baptized in water for the forgiveness of their sins. Lord, don't let them stop until they develop the nature of Christ within them. Let this today be a turning point for someone here. I really feel the presence of God speaking prophetically. Can I get you to just bow your head right now? Because I feel God doing a personal work in this room. And I want just a private moment. Who am I talking to that's drug addicted right now that needs to get free? Can I see a hand? Can I see a hand? Don't be afraid. God bless you. God bless you. Deliverance is coming. Deliverance is coming. Deliverance is coming. You'll never be the same after today. God bless you. God bless you. Father, I break those chains in the name of Jesus Christ. I break them right now. I break them in the name of Jesus. Let the blood of Jesus be against you. Let the blood of Jesus be, Jesus be against you. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Addiction, you're broken in the name of Jesus. Regardless of what it is, the blood of Jesus is against you. Chains are broken. Chains are broken. Chains are broken. How many here today need a breakthrough in their lives? Can I see your hand? Just raise your hand. I need a breakthrough, Pastor. I've got sense enough to recognize them in the presence of God, and I need a breakthrough. I'm like the lady with the issue of blood. Jesus is passing by. I'm not letting him get away from me. I've got to touch the hem of his garment. I need a breakthrough this morning. This morning, I need to touch God. I need to touch God right now, Pastor. You don't know what's going on. I'm close to my moment right now. Father, I pray for every person who raised their hand that breakthroughs will come. You know what the individual needs, Lord. You know if that is a breakthrough that is needed in finances or a breakthrough in healing or a breakthrough in a marriage or a breakthrough with their kids. You know what that means. I'm asking you to heal right now those that need to be healed. Physical healing. I just feel a burden for that in this service this morning. Physical healing. Thank you for what you did in the first service, Lord. Do it again, I pray in the name of Jesus. Do it again, I pray in the name of Jesus.